This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Police in Jerusalem fired stun grenades at Palestinians throwing stones and launching fireworks to protest against the imminent flag march of right-wing Jewish nationalists through the Muslim quarter of the old city. Muslims were locked inside a mosque on the Al-Aqsa compound on Temple Mount as Jewish visitors visited the site and waved Israeli flags to mark Jerusalem Day, the anniversary of Israel's capture of the east of the city in 1967. In his first official appearance outside the capital, Kiev, since the invasion, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, visited the city of Kharkiv and met troops on the front line nearby. On Saturday, Mr. Zelensky said that conditions in the Donbass region in the east of the country were, quote, indescribably difficult, as Russian forces intensified their assault there. His government reiterated a plea to be sent more long-range weapons by Western countries. Germany's economic minister, Robert Habeck, warned that EU unity on sanctions meant to punish Russia for invading Ukraine was starting to, quote, crumble ahead of a meeting of its leaders on Monday. On Saturday, the European Commission proposed delaying restrictions on imports of Russian oil through a key pipeline in an attempt to appease the government of Hungary, which has been holding up a deal. President Joe Biden headed to Uvalde, Texas, to meet the families of some of the 19 children and two adults shot and killed at a school last week. Police in the town are coming under scrutiny for their slow response to the massacre. On Saturday, Kamala Harris, the vice president, called for more stringent gun control laws, including a ban on assault weapons. Ms. Harris was speaking at the funeral of a woman shot in a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. Polls opened in Colombia's presidential election. Voters will choose between Gustavo Petro, a former guerrilla who hopes to become Colombia's first-ever leftist president, Frederico Fico Gutierrez, who represents a coalition of right-wing parties, and Rodolfo Hernandez, a populist outsider running as an independent. Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, said talks with diplomats from Finland and Sweden had not persuaded him to drop his veto over the countries joining NATO. Mr. Erdogan accuses the countries of harboring members of the Kurdistan Workers' Party, which Turkey considers a terrorist organization, and followers of Fethullah Gulen, whom he accuses of fomenting a failed coup in 2016. Some public transport services resumed in Beijing on Sunday, after officials claimed that they had brought the COVID-19 outbreak in China's capital under control. In Shanghai, where cases are at their lowest since mid-March, authorities announced that the testing requirements needed to enter public places will be loosened from Wednesday, as the city attempts to ease out of a two-month lockdown. And fact of the day, 15 million rupiah, or $1,000, the value of prizes won in singing competitions by one magpie in the Indonesian capital, Jakarta. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Battle for Influence in the Pacific In the Second World War, America thwarted Japan's advance by leapfrogging across the Pacific Islands. Now China has embarked on a diplomatic island-hopping campaign to secure a foothold in the region. America hopes to slow it down. China's foreign minister, Wang Yi, is on an eight-nation Pacific tour, since Thursday, Mr. Wang has signed economic deals in Kiribati and Samoa, 
In Fiji on Monday, he is expected to unveil a pact covering fishery, security, and other areas with 10 Pacific nations. China hopes to build on the signing in April of a security pact with the Solomon Islands, which America fears could lead to a naval base being built there. America and its allies have been spurred into action. Australia's new foreign minister, Penny Wong, rushed to Fiji last week to pledge, quote, no strings support in areas including defense and climate change. Fiji has also been enticed to join America's trade initiative, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. More Russian headaches for the EU Leaders of the EU's 27 member states will meet in Brussels on Monday for the fourth time since war broke out on the bloc's doorstep. The fallout from the war in Ukraine will once again dominate proceedings. Momentum for a sixth package of sanctions against Russia has stalled. Its central component, an embargo on Russian oil, is unacceptable to Hungary, which wants the EU to pay for the upgrade to its energy infrastructure before agreeing. On Saturday, the European Commission proposed delaying restrictions on imports of Russian oil through a key pipeline supplying the country. EU leaders will also take stock on how to best assist Ukraine militarily. Concerns over food security, prompted by Russia's blockade of Ukrainian ports, will also feature. Europe knows instability linked to higher grain prices will hit countries in Africa and the Middle East, from where large flows of migrants into the bloc have morphed into political headaches in the past. The Stormont Storm Blows On The Northern Ireland Assembly meets in Stormont, home of the devolved administration, on Monday for the first time since elections earlier in May. The recall was brought after a petition by Sinn Féin, a party which advocates a united Ireland and came top in these polls. The meeting is intended to elect a speaker and deputy speakers and to appoint a first minister and deputy first minister, but few expect much of a breakthrough. The largest unionist party, the Democratic Unionist Party, has blocked appointments to the new government. That is part of its protest against the Northern Ireland Protocol the bit of the United Kingdom's Brexit deal with the EU that, in effect, drew a trade border in the Irish Sea. The DUP's leader, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, has called the recall a, quote, stunt. Failure to reach a deal would be nothing new. In the 22 years of devolved government, its work has been suspended for more than a third of that time. Making Cousinly Marriages Safer more than half of weddings in Qatar and Saudi Arabia are between people who are related. In the United Arab Emirates, the share is nearly as high. That keeps kinship webs tight and property within the family. But consanguinity causes a range of inherited disorders, and even when Qataris and Emiratis marry outside their families, the pool of potential partners is small. Now Qatar is developing a way to reduce the risks. The Qatar Genome Program has sequenced the genomes of nearly 1 in 10 Qataris. Better genomics may one day help doctors offer premarital genetic testing. Sequencing Arab genomes will enrich the world's data, too. Since the Human Genome Project first fully mapped human DNA in 2003, scientists have sequenced the blueprints of around 1 million people worldwide. But far less than 1% of those are of Middle Easterners though they make up around 5% of the world's population. 
Adding a consanguinous population, too, has been described by one geneticist as an, quote, actual human experiment. Mythologizing Punk The legend that punk was a revolution masterminded by Malcolm McLaren, the manager of the Sex Pistols, has endured for decades. It is repeated in Pistol, a six-part miniseries scripted by Craig Pierce, who co-wrote films with Baz Luhrmann, and directed by Danny Boyle, Trainspotting, and 28 Days Later, which is released on Hulu on Tuesday. Based on a memoir by Steve Jones, the Sex Pistols guitarist who was with the British band from its inauspicious infancy to its ignominious end, Pistol depicts punk as a deliberate cultural mission guided by McLaren rather than a mini-insurrection that failed to remake Britain. But reality is messy, and punk messier still. McLaren was a brilliant provocateur, but also a serial fabulist who claimed after the fact to have orchestrated events he could neither foresee nor control. This is punk as historical costume drama, with characters who speak in aphorisms. And the trouble with historical costume dramas is their tendency to render events as predestined. Daily Quiz. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday, which Welsh footballer was transferred to Real Madrid for a world record fee in 2013? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Sun Ra, who died on this day in 1993. The possible has been tried and failed. Now it's time to try the impossible. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.